Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Dum Dum Die. I am Lena and I am the new GM taking over from Carla. And for this episode, uh, we're going to be focusing on some world building. Taking Carla's world from Kalandos and just building up the new campaign from the basis of the old one. There's a lot of things that happened in the last couple of sessions that I would like to keep as part of the lore. So, to that end, I think the best place to start is if we do a quick recap on everything that happened toward the end of the campaign. The group got to the floating city of Il Oranos, and once they got there, they snuck in via the sewer system, and uh, they ran into a beholder, which Andromach essentially befriended before they went upstairs in the company of Bob and they snuck into the palace grounds but were essentially caught and imprisoned. And then Kira's mother, Isaiah, paid them a visit in the prison. She was trying to wipe out their memories and alter events in her favor. Our heroes escaped. They had this epic battle well, the start of a battle, and then Lyra and the Princess Aurelia, future queen of Il Uranus, came along, and she said that she was going to deal with Wednesday's character, our good friend and paladin, but due to the threat that Isaiah posed, a huge fight broke out. They eventually proved to Aurelia that Isaiah was a fake, and things deteriorated, and after a big battle, we managed to seal Isaiah in an anti-magic room, which basically cut off her ability to feed power or suck power into herself, making her nigh-on invincible. So, after rescuing Aurelia from a very near-death experience, some things were mentioned in the campaign about how the city stayed afloat and how it was tied to the bloodlines of Aurelia's family. So, I think think that might be a good place to start. So after the campaign ended, Carla did a little bit of futuristic recap of what happened to each character. So we all know that Aloran was relegated to guard duty for a period of, I, I think, like three or five years or something. And Kira was kept under close watch because she dug a little too deeply into the royal family's secrets. And Andromach was given a home in the city because obviously Andromach is a changeling. I don't know, maybe Aurelia felt bad for Andromach and um, opted to keep Andromach safe in Il Oranos. Now here's the thing. A very, very big threat is locked up in the dungeon. And I think that after the initial period where Aloran finishes his guard duty, we could maybe do something along the lines of, obviously different guards were posted there, but then I'm pondering on either giving Aloran the good guy role and say that he owned up and took responsibility and is essentially married Aurelia, or we could do something a little bit more sinister, because, I mean, why not? We could go, Aloran decided that marriage wasn't for him after all, and he bailed from Top City again, and taking that as a, as a final insult, Aurelia maybe took a company of soldiers and went after him. Or we could do something along the lines of they did get married, everything was going well, and then Aurelia disappeared one night. And 
no traces, no letters, no nothing. Since Aurelia's bloodline is basically essential to keeping the city afloat, without her actively being in Ioranos, the city went down and crashed into the countryside, causing massive amounts of destruction and loss of life. So in that accident, Isaiah got free of her cell and escaped and um, was basically free to continue her reign of terror because I think as soon as the city falls, that's just a near cataclysmic thing that happens. I mean, she could either outright die, but I don't want to do that because I want to keep the element of mystery for the players, whether they don't know if Isaiah's alive or dead. I think we could do that. But now, when the city fell, obviously some of the residents of Il Oranos would have gotten away on some of the airships. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of like royal people or nobles or rich folk there that probably have their own form of transport to get safely away from the descending and falling city. But unfortunately, not everybody is that lucky or that rich or whatever the case may be. And um, I want to keep Andromach as an NPC and maybe Andromach forged a deep enough bond with a little beholder, Squint, to actually get on Squint and use Squint as a method of getting away from the falling city. So since that cataclysmic event... Okay, let me see what Darkwolf says. I like that. I like that, Darkwolf. We need a name for this person. Give me a name. Hero. I'm going to write it in like caption marks here. Well, Dwarf, give me something that I can pronounce <laughs> and something that makes sense. And I think since the last antagonist was female let's let's make it a male give me a male name the shadow of fairheim i like that so it's like a an anti-hero or a mysterious hero that is mentioned in rumor okay beef atkins i'll take the atkins the beef is a little on the nose for me no thin diesel i'm gonna say karn karn we'll go for the c Karn Atkins. That's the hero's name. Okay, so the city crashed. The queen is missing. What do you guys think happened to Aloran? So, I mean, Aloran had royal privilege. I'm pretty sure that Aloran would have been able to, to get safely out of Il Oranos. I might make a small mention about Kira because, I mean, they're mages, so they probably have some sort of teleportation thing set up. I'm thinking that since the cataclysmic event happened of Il Uranus falling out of the sky, we should do a little bit of a time skip again. So, time skip from the last time, I'm going to reference the story and what happened to Il Uranus when the new campaign starts, and then I will jump up a little bit of time again, and then I want something suitable to have occurred in the meantime. Like, since Isaiah is on the loose, you know, I'm even thinking that Isaiah was such a mysterious shadow figure in the background that we didn't really get to see what she was all about. Me as Andromach only had like one encounter and all that really happened during that encounter was she showed that she's like super manipulative and loved to drain other people of their magic. So I think we're gonna take the clockwork mechanisms that were found in people, we're gonna bring it out into the open. So people will learn and know about Isaiah and the guild will have taken an active approach in trying to help the people but 
since the method that Isaiah used to implant it into the people was like very hush-hush. She didn't really let anybody know her secrets of her ritual magics and stuff. I'm going to say that the guild was not successful at saving any of these victims. But now since the guild can't keep an eye on these people 24-7, the guild maybe has a, a way to magically or track via the arcane the state of the people. So as soon as they're being drained of energy, the guild maybe has a way to help them. But since a lot of people, an unknown amount of people, were implanted with these devices, the only thing that we can tell right now is Isaiah is still out there. I could even go one step further and say that somebody was working behind the scenes and Isaiah was merely one of the many tools to their disposal in order to try and topple the royal family or trying to take control of the Balujuel oil. Make me a couple of suggestions if I can get a suitable evil motivation behind the villain. A good villain should have a good motivation. The more complex the motivation, the more you can relate as a player and the more you can, I don't know, engross yourself in the lore behind it. Isaiah now, she really can't fulfill that role anymore because she's now a flashback. So at most Isaiah can like crawl around, siphon power from things, or we could even take it another step further. Maybe what she was trying to do, that flashback was a, a, was a transitory phase evolving into something more. Maybe something related to blood magic, a demon of a kind, or a lich, or something, because obviously with that much power, you know, Something with a sustained amount of, of immortality. Well, well, not immortality, because I mean, it, it's not really viable for a campaign to go in and fight something immortal. But let's see. Dark Wolf? Okay, but expound on that for me. You say it's run in the shadows by a mastermind, and that's fine. And that comes back to the thing where I was saying Isaiah just being one of the pawns in this. Nobody ever said that Isaiah had to be alone in our schemes. I mean, a lot of times... Bad guys have organizations or guilds of their own or groups of people that work for them. So maybe a henchman freed Isaiah out of prison that was posing as a guard. And since Isaiah is in such a terrible state, he could maybe have found a way to either siphon the power away via the black magic rituals or that person could transfer that power into themselves, leaving Isaiah's body like a, a mess. Considering the amount of destruction caused by the fall of Iranos, it won't be difficult to assume that uh, a lot of people were not going to be in their correct shapes. There's a lot of ways that villains become evil. So a grab for power, corruption, just an unmitigated desire to be better than others, I suppose. Greed. Like I said, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that, that form a good villain, but I'd like to include something that has a bit of substance. So what I'm thinking of maybe is, since Isaiah survived, as soon as she broke free from the prison, she drained all the people that had those clockwork things in them, allowing her to transform to the transcendent state that she actually wanted in the first place. However... Now that Isaiah is free, 
and on the run, she is perfectly capable of implanting more people with the clockwork things. So that ties in again by the thing that the knowledge of the clockwork devices was exposed to the guild. Kira, unfortunately, is one of those with a device in her, so she will unfortunately not survive Isaiah draining the life out of her. And there's a manhunt out for Isaiah. But how about this? Like, more and more important people start to go missing, only to be rediscovered again months later with memory loss, which is like a, a nice clear indication for the players uh, or something familiar that they can latch on to. Then I think if we take a Lauren as an NPC and having been part of the initial fight against Isaiah, we can make a Lauren somebody who goes and forms the manhunt or leads the manhunt against her. I'm hoping to get a little bit more of a um, grim atmosphere but I think that that's something that I will be able to create in-game. So for now, I just want the general direction to, to take the players in. Something that's familiar, something that's new. We can also start a couple of rumors and say that a lady with a very odd-looking cat has been spotted here or there. Just allowing the players to also know that even though Aurelia is not dead, she's out there somewhere, and they could maybe enlist her, or find out what happened, or why she was kidnapped, or maybe the group can even go on a rescuing, but I think that's just it. I think as much as Lauren would have wanted to deal with Isaiah, he also has a duty towards Aurelia now, so we could have a person that is like split resources, just trying to cope with a whole bunch of things going wrong, people going missing, you know, there's this whole atmosphere of things just going sideways. We could also do that dark wolf, where the clockwork devices are not immediately found, or a little bit more under the radar or more difficult to detect. So we can maybe have the guild develop a method for scanning folks and helping the people who they found in time to remove them or who are not within an area close enough for Isaiah to drain them to save those lives. But there has to be this thing that once Isaiah escapes, then Lauren has to like institute a thing uh, with the guild to do mandatory scans in every city or have people submit themselves to be scanned. You know, that type of thing. Yes, an enlightened state will definitely give some new skills as well. Thanks, Kikospi. We gave us some bits. Guys, please don't make me dance on my own. I'm, I'm like terrible at dancing to start with. <laughs> Thank you, Kikaspi. <laughs> Appreciate you. Then, of course, we also need to find out is Bob and Kevin and those guys, are they going to make a return? Did they get safely off of Il Iranos? Are we going to see them later in the campaign? Are we going to catch a glimpse of Andromach on her trusty beholder? It might be fun to just run into those characters again or Bob is on the hunt for Aurelia this time because obviously Bob is fiercely loyal so maybe uh, Lauren tossed Bob to find Aurelia and Lyra could be the case. So we could make those new implants do that type of method of entry and the trauma it caused the people caused them to go like near vegetable and then obviously Isaiah just wiped their memories so they don't actually remember what happened to them before she just chucked them back into the world. So they're all a little bit 
they're there, but they're not really there anymore. So we could have the, the guild scan them, but then find nothing. So since there's nothing magical for the guild to worry about, they could just not care. Of course, this is all like happening before the campaign even starts. So I'll need to like just boil it down just to get something that's workable for the players to start with. And I think I've got a rough idea of, of where I want to go for the start. And the, the thing for me is when I do world planning, I like to see where the initial or the, the end result is. So I'd like to see the starting point. I'd like to see the ending point. The, what happens between is like you and your players are telling that story. So I don't want to get too much of the middle bits running. And unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, that it's Wednesday. Obviously she's going to be one of our players. So I know that she's going to be exposed to hearing this and editing and everything. So I am going to not say too many things about the end of the campaign. It's fine if she knows that there's airs out there. She's going to hear that in any case when the campaign starts. But let's leave the rest of it a bit of a mystery, I think. Throw in a new cult. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. A new cult. A cult of Isaiah. Cult. And we'll give it a, a flashy name. Give me a cult name or a deific name for Isaiah's cult. Enamored cabbages. It's not a cabbage cult. No. I need to do that little sense of memory loss. But I can roleplay that. I can roleplay that um, when they meet people and they can rub their neck. And oh, I like that. And we can have reports of the people going missing. So if that adventurer is going to investigate, then we can do that type of thing. No, Zoon, I'm not going to do another dragon cult, I promise. Okay, so Dark Wolf, I have a different proposal on a cabbage cult. But let me just write it down. So, since Aloran was so tied into the Kevin and the Bob and the Leo issue pre his, his wedding, let's say that when Aurelia went missing, Aloran recruited Bob and Kevin and Leo to... Hire the common man to just, you know, watch the streets of town just to see if anybody had rumors or information or hints at where Aurelia might have been taken or where she is currently. So in that sense, it's not so much of a cult as more as more of a, a spy network, the spy network of the cabbage sellers. What do you think about that? No, we're not doing the... Flying Spaghetti Monster Cult. Dolgur-ish. Hmm. Radiant Philosophy. How about the Radiant Path? It's a cult, so obviously they think that if they sacrifice their blood to Isaiah, they will gain enlightenment. You know, I'll write that down. Spy Network for the Cabbage Cult. And the, the cult, the Radiant Path. Close second, the Order of the Red Dawn. I like that. I like that. <laughs> the Cabbage Festival. Now I have to add it. We can have it in Joesburg. Where the players left Joesburg, the common people were like, nah, we're sick of nobility, we're having our own city with our own rules and everything. So let's make Joesburg in the, in the years after that have kind of gained their own little bit of independence with their own laws and their own rules and everything. And we could even say that since the guild 
represents some sort of order, we could have the guild expelled from the city, making it a ripe breeding ground for victims of Isaiah, but not necessarily where Isaiah is, or a place where, I don't know, it could be a, a merchant hub. That's actually also not a bad way, because, you know, the common folk would, they wouldn't care about the politics of everything, they would be more practical about matters like this. So I think, yeah, okay, I think that we keep the guild in, but we'll make it a marketing hub, the new marketing hub. Oh, Bobicus, that's also a great way to do it. <laughs> Opportunity for shenanigans. I think that should be enough to get my players off the ground and in the right direction. Then I can obviously just tinker and change a detail here and there depending on what happens during the sessions. I love doing that as well, you know. I, I never feel like your planning should be static because you never know what players are going to get up to. So I think improvising and just having an overarching idea of where you want the, the thing to go is um, an easier way to approach DMing than going like, okay, you guys are here, then you need to go here, and then you need to go here, and then you find this. Because then the players are going to go like, we're here, right? No, 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 we're, we're going that way. And then you go like, oh, well, there goes my planning. Try to have clock with victims. Oh, that's good. Or we could have... As soon as the first couple of people were found with the clockwork things inside them, the initial experimentation to remove it went terribly, and the clockwork mechanics outright killed a few of the victims. We could also make it something like, as soon as the clockwork detects foreign magic, it kind of goes into a self-defense type of mechanism. Have you seen Allegiant or Divergent in one of those... They have these little things that crawl into you and then they wrap around an artery. So as soon as you try and remove that thing or tamper with it, it like just severs the artery, killing the host. We can have that type of scenario with the clock with this because then yeah, that should instill enough fear in the public for not coming forward and just saying, listen, it's fine. I'd rather live with this thing and potentially die than go to you and definitely die. As a result, you know, the people are obviously wary of going to the guild and the guild has taken a, a bad knock to their reputation. I, I like that. I like that. This is a great place uh, to get the campaign started. I have another thing on the agenda that I need to address and that is we're a goal short. So we would like to get another voice in and similarly to what Carla did before I joined the group, she made a template character for whoever is currently like auditioning for, for uh, joining Dum Dum Die. They can use, and I think I want to do the same thing. So I want to get a template PC in that whoever comes in can just jump in. There's your agenda, there's your backstory, off you go. So to that effect, let's start with characters. So what I was thinking was getting a street urchin, let's say from Joesburg. And obviously they lived through the revolution of what happened when the power shifted away from the nobles and went to the common man. And just growing up on the streets of Joesburg without a family or maybe in an orphanage, 
So not a rich adventure, but they had exposure to things that happened in Joe's book. So obviously when you approach something like that, you can either go like that they had one of the guild mages teach them magic, in which case we could have a mage, but I think that the mages were like a classy establishment. So a street urchin wouldn't necessarily have access to stuff like that, but we could alternatively go that she picked up some thieving skills, so maybe we could go for a rogue. I know it's a bit like cliche, a bit on the nose, but we could alternatively, we could have her be one of the cult members. It's just laden with possibilities. So let's let's expound on the idea a little bit. Okay, so we could be that he or she, doesn't matter, was one of the cultists of the Order of the Red Dawn. And as soon as they realized what the order was actually about and they realized that the order is literally helping Isaiah to spread these clockwork devices and she was like next in line to get one of these things implanted in her she opted out and she's like no no I don't want to have anything more to do with these people I am running away but we have to have some sort of a fail safe so that if she goes and blabs to just anybody then there should be repercussions maybe magical repercussions or um, a compulsion so maybe there's a compulsion placed on the, on the guild members when they officially join the order to not speak of the order outside of cult meetings but i'm more like thinking that street urchins uh, easy poke you know just feed them feed them and they go like look if i go back there i can get food and then just slowly indoctrinate them into the cult you know that type of thing anyway so She's under compulsion, she cannot speak about the cult, but she is on the loose. So she ran away, she left Joesburg, and obviously she had to meet the group somewhere. I look at the maps and stuff that Carla left me, and see where exactly the adventurers are starting and how they're starting, because that's also important. You know, I feel like a, a good, impactful start just makes such an impression on your players, so it's, it's important to like have that aspect. And then they can run into this person. I was thinking that in the spirit of Kala, Adramach is actually just a corruption of the word Andromache, which is a Greek heroine. So I'm thinking that we can maybe use another Greek heroine or hero's name for this character. And I'm looking at a couple of them we can either go hero or heroine, but I want to shy away from the male ones because they're very popular, you know, like Achilles and Hercules and Odysseus and Perseus and like everybody's heard of them. So I think let's go for a heroine name. Well, everybody knows Pandora, Helen of Troy, Medea. And we keep it nice and simple. We go for Daphne. Daphne is our urchin that has ties to the cult and is under compulsion and of course ran away okay so are we gonna go for a rogue or are we gonna go for a warlock or maybe a hybrid class we can go for a warlock rogue what do you guys think considering that i don't know how experienced the people are coming for additions maybe we should rather keep it simple and not do a hybrid class I mean, Duff, I completely agree with you. Warlock Road could be super, super fun. But I think let's stick with one or the other. Since they maybe picked up some things, but um, obviously to, to, to survive. But I think 
since you join the cult, they will indoctrinate you into this. And blood magic is, is definitely a, a more of a warlock trait. I like that as well. A warlock with high pickpocketing skills or sleight of hand. Yes, we are going to make this work, guys. A rogue with a magic initiate feat. That's also a very nice suggestion. We're not bloodbending. We're not uh, we're not playing with Avatar, guys. I want to leave the bloodbending for maybe the higher cultists or maybe for Isaiah herself, simply because that shouldn't be like a skill that just anybody in the cult messes with. That'll cause absolute chaos. But I mean, that's an that's an option. We could like have this cult spread like bloody wildfire. People could even go like, listen, if you join the cult, you won't die. If you take this thing into your body, it'll make you enlightened and you'll be safe and the guild won't kill you. And this guild just like spreads across the continent and every town is infested with them. It's completely an, a possibility as well. Oh, yes, of course. Okay, but uh, well, let's make a possibility here. Rogue with magic initiate feet. I like that suggestion. Thank you very much, Dwarf. We have a more or less of a backstory for Daphne. And we have a class, sort of. We'll change it as necessary. And I gave my players the instruction to start their characters at level 5. Because I feel like level 5 is a great spot to play. Interesting things have happened. Some people have double attacks. Uh, not all the classes have it, but some of the classes have it. You get some really interesting and not often seen abilities and it's not that complicated mess that is like level 10 level 15 plus so level 5 is a great place to start so i think i'll make the character a little bit later and then whoever comes to roleplay for us can just use that as a template so yeah definitely having some spells as a rogue is very nice a friend of mine played rogue but with a tiefling and just that hellish rebuke Every now and then, it's just something different that rogues don't normally get to, to toy around with. So yeah, I agree with you. Having a few spells to cast as a rogue is not a bad thing. Hidden ability of the new player given by bloodline or heritage. Because, you know, wild magic. If you play something with wild magic, you're brave. Because, I mean, I've seen wild magic do absolutely incredible things. And I've heard of wild magic that goes like, oh, we're all level one, let me cast this thing. It turns into a fireball and just kills everybody in the party in session one. So I'm just going to leave it there. But in the same vein, I mean, wild magic is like a DM's dream because they go like, oh, really? Wild magic? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Let's see what happens to that innocent looking prestidigitation you just cast. But yeah, anyway, so we've got a backstory. We've got a class. I'll add some equipment and then as soon as our ladies show up, they have a character to play. And then we'll have to see where they take it because, I mean, every player is different and every player's perspective is interesting. So I'd like to see where it goes. Okay, I'm very happy, guys. Thank you very much. This was a wonderful session. <laughs> Got some really cool ideas from you guys. Thank you very, very much. I have one announcement to make. We're currently running the sessions on Sundays, like today, but there has been a request to check if we cannot go back to our Tuesday evening slot. And we needed some feedback from chat, just from our usual listeners, on whether it's easier for them to attend a Tuesday evening 
like 7.30 our normal of our, that was our usual time when we did it back then or if it's more comfortable uh, for them on a Sunday morning uh, at our normal 11 a.m. slot so you can find Dum Dum Die's Facebook page at just at Facebook forward slash Dum Dum Die and we'll have the poll there or Discord or maybe both we'll just post it on both I'll let Nelly handle it she's the social media fundi and I am not <laughs> so I shall leave it at her capable hands but thank you for the suggestion guys thank you very very much for joining me that is about everything that I needed to do so once again you guys can find me on my Instagram page it's mystic underscore bell and I'll post some things every now and then just relating to some hobbies of mine painting or cosplay or crafting or whatever it is I'm feeling up to doing and then I am looking forward to seeing you guys we should be having our first session for the official start of the campaign and then hopefully by then we have a lady come in and audition for us. So, oh, um, let me just add this. If you are interested in trying to audition for a slot at Dum Dum Die, just South African, and uh, you can just send us a message on our Facebook page or drop us a message on our Discord channels, or you can just PM any of the, the Dum Dum Die ladies and we will try and get back to you and have a discussion about uh, what we need and just get a few things in place before session one. But with that, guys, have an absolutely fantastic week and quoting Carla, filled with adventure.